And uh, I hope you enjoyed that preaching series, if you've been here. And we also have an awesome sound system group there that have recorded every one of those messages. So I got to hear them all, even when I was in children's church. So, so it was, it's been pretty exciting. We also we had a wonderful Christmas Eve service. There was like 80 people here just in unity. And, I mean, there was peace and joy. It was, it was a, a beautiful time. So I'm excited. Well, let's dive right into the Bible. Please turn to Philippians 2. We're finishing up the humble king part here today. And we're going to go back to our main scripture, Philippians 2, starting in verse 1. And it will be on the screen behind me, I do believe. But you also have Bibles available. Okay, Philippians 2.1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to be by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Whew, that's a lot. Let's look at uh, verse 3 through 5 again. Let's just highlight that. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships, which just means everybody, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So humility, ah yes, humility, talking about it with a microphone is kind of like talking about patience, all of a sudden alarms go off in the room, you know, we're, oh no, he's talking about humility, now maybe it's not that bad, but I thought it would be good to start with a Bible dictionary definition of humility to help us out. And I think this is particularly neat. In the Holman Bible Dictionary, it said, A personal quality in which an individual shows dependence on God and respect for other persons. It's a good, it's a good definition to start with, dependence on God and respect for others. I like that. Notice it didn't have groveling worm in there, right? Sometimes we add that. You notice that Jesus was humble and chose to be in the form of a man and dependent on God 
completely. He's like, I'm dependent on God. I only do what I see the Father is doing. But he was strong. So I got a couple of quotes about humility. Well, one thing I like to say is my humility is one of my best qualities. So didn't know if you had heard me say that before. And last night I thought about I said, I like humility. It tastes like pie. So I don't know. Uh, so actually some more famous quotes. So uh, if you know Graham Cook, he has a lot to say about humility. But he said, the humble man has an advantage over all other men. No one can put him down. I think that's a, that's a good quote if you understand humility and what we want to dive into today. And Mother Teresa said, Humility is the mother of all virtues, purity, charity, and obedience. It is in being humble that our love becomes real, devoted, and ardent. If you are humble, nothing will touch you. Neither praise nor disgrace. And this line's, I think, the key here. Because you know what you are. If you are blamed, you will not be discouraged. If they call you a saint, you will not put yourself on a pedestal. So look at that line again. Because you know what you are. I believe that's about everything here. Humility starts with identity. Jesus knew he was the son of God. He knew he was valued. He knew he was loved. He knew his authority. But he had no problem then humbling himself to come close to us. And once he was a human, he modeled humility for us. He knew his value from God and the Holy Spirit, and he was able to humble himself. He moved in authority and strength, but he didn't have to gain approval of men to set up his kingdom. And actually, they tried to, you know, as uh, was mentioned a couple weeks ago, men was going to, they were going to forcibly try to take him and make him king, and he snuck out of that. He's like, I, it wasn't their approval that he was looking for. And he had religious leaders, you know, they always, uh, they were actually always seemed to be against him, but a couple of them came up and flattered him first. You know, I'm going to butter him up, see how this goes. And they were like, hey, Jesus, you're good. We know you're a good man. You're a good leader. And he's like, he didn't let that he didn't let that land at all. He just brushed it off, and he's like, only the Father is good. And so he knew he was good. I mean, he knew himself from, through, you know, through the Father, but he wasn't going to let that flattery, he didn't need that to make himself feel good. He didn't need their endorsement. And even demons tried to endorse him. So that was a weird thing. Demons are like, we know you're the Holy One of God. And he's like, shut up, you know, and he did. He was like, shut up and get out. He didn't want their endorsement. They clearly knew who he was before some other people did, but he didn't, he didn't need that. Our humility starts with identity too. If you've learned anything through the Advent series, if you've heard anything, you should have heard that you are a treasure of God. God treasured you so much, he wanted to be so close to you that he said, I am going to humble myself and be a baby born to the poorest unwed mom all of those bad, you know, that's lowly. I'm going to be born like that so I can get close to you. 
And ultimately, he was going to humble himself to accept death and resurrection to connect us, to make us even be able to connected, uh, be connected to him even greater forever. So can we let that sink in? I mean, sometimes we just say, yeah, I got it. God loves me. Right? But this has got to be in your core, that God loves me so much that changes everything. That is the beginning of our humility and our spiritual maturity. It affects our entire spiritual journey. It's not easy. We're pretty insecure. <laughs> I'm pretty insecure. And Satan's fighting us the whole way. But it's amazing to think God did all that for me and he thinks I'm a treasure. So I am humbled in amazement of his love. So I have to pause and say that this uh, mention of humility doesn't mean we have to let others walk on us or abuse us, right? Amen. Always have to throw that in here. You notice Jesus didn't get pushed around until he chose to sacrifice himself. But until that moment, unless it was a part of his plan, he didn't get pushed around. He didn't get abused. And if we look back at the verse about valuing others above ourselves, if someone's abusing you, they're not value, you're not valuing them to let them. Right? It's, is it good for them to abuse someone? Is it good for their soul? No, it will destroy their soul to abuse you. It's not good for them. So if you love them, you want the best for them, you don't want them to be abusive. And that's on any level of abuse. That's why we have our own boundaries. No, you can't talk to me like that. This is why I still love you. you know, I'm not going to allow this because I can't, and that's not good for you either, and I love you. That's how that looks. Again, that clearly shows humility starts with my identity. If I know I'm loved, I'm secure in that. I don't, I don't need the fake love. I'm loved. But this brings up the point, humility will get tested. <laughs> Your humility will always get tested. One time the uh, disciples were feeling pretty high and mighty with Jesus, and they thought he's high and mighty, and they're high and mighty. And they try to shoo some little kids away. They're like, get out of here. He's way too important for you. And Jesus was like, um, no, he rebuked them. So in other words, he chewed them out. So use the churchy word, rebuked. He told them the kingdom of God is easy to enter if you act like one of them, if you have a heart like one of them. And he said, being the kingdom of God and bringing it is actually inviting one of them in my name. Their humility was tested. 
Too bad they didn't have a Philippians 2 to read. That was a little after them. Again, Philippians 2, 3, and 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not look into your own interest, but to the interest of others. In your relationships, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What if they had valued the children above themselves? They would have invited them, right? And if they knew Jesus did, they would have invited them. It's funny how Jesus always seemed to be valuing the marginalized above himself, his, his time. He's like, yes, you have my time. That's valuing above yourself, given time. So Jesus saw these traps, and he warned the disciples about them. He didn't want them to become like the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees, they were the spiritual leaders of the day, and they had this spiritual pride which is a really big trap. It's easy to fall prey to. They devoted themselves to rules and sacrificing their time and energy to knowing God or at least knowing the law better. So they were religiously successful. That's how they felt. And we can do the same thing. They didn't eat the wrong things or drink the wrong things or cuss in front of other people. But their mistake was they thought that this uh, self-control was spiritual maturity. When actually, the spiritual maturity comes from that dependence on God, that humility. That's where you get more mature. I'm dependent on God. Then I notice I want to be like him. I want to be like Jesus. I'm turning into being like Jesus. So then I'm growing into thinking like Jesus. So the next time that challenge comes up and someone tries to flatter me, I'm not affected by it. I'm like that. And there's a new thing that will get me and mess with me, but not that thing. So there's one uh, test of humility I see in Jesus that always exposes my pride. It hits a button. Do you want to hear what it is? Okay. (laughs) I know you do. When Jesus was arrested by his captors, you see this play out where they'll like blindfold and hit him and say, who struck you, you know, and mock him and say, prophesy to us, Jesus. And that always made me angry. That always makes me like, do it, Jesus. Tell him, you know, you can tell him, you know, you can, you can prophesy. Don't let him get away with that junk, you know. I didn't use a cuss word there, so proud of me. So anyway. It makes me angry. I mean, I'm, I get livid. I'm like, why? Ugh. It's not fair. It's not right. And, um, but it always, it's, how he handled it, it shows me an important lesson. Humility doesn't demand its own justice. And that's my hardest one. If my wife Marie doesn't understand me, if we're having a discussion, sometimes we're having a discussion, she started... She's trying to explain something, and I, I may be off the mark and not getting what she's saying, and I'm thinking I'm feeding into that conversation. So I say, yeah, this, and she's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Well, when she did that, sometimes that makes me angry. She don't understand me. She's the one that started it. She's trying to explain something where I can understand her, and I'm getting mad that she don't understand me. I want to be understood. I want justice here. Humility doesn't demand its own justice. Now, a humble person like Jesus or a humble person like uh, 
Friedrich Bonhoeffer, whom Marie quoted last week, they will stand and fight for justice. It's not their justice they're fighting for. They're fighting against oppression or something unjust. That's awesome. If you're strong and humble and you're fighting for justice, great. But he didn't, he got arrested. Bonhoeffer got arrested, put into a concentration camp. And you hear writings that he did during that time. And none of those seem to be, I am so unjustly held here. They're so mean to me. Hear my cause. It's so sad. No, he's all, he's, he's trying to win everyone there he can to the Lord. And he's trying to stand up and like, no, you're, not gonna, you're never going to shut me up against this injustice of the, the Nazi regime. That takes some security. Your insecurity and pride don't have room there. The wanting people to understand you or wanting people to love your cause. That seems to be one of the biggest failures in our, again, sometimes I beat up on American Christianity. I'm sure some may get tired of that. <laughs> but the biggest failure in American Christianity over the last hundred years, I think, is, is saying, you know, we're standing up for our, the justice, they think, is like justice in you appreciating that I'm a Christian. And that's, that's not the message. That's not the message. That's not the Bible is, you need to feel sorry for me and my Christian rights. The message is, Jesus humbled himself to death. To have true justice. And he martyred himself. And then there's Stephen sitting there preaching to the religious leaders, not saying, I want my rights. He said, you guys stink at this and you need to get it. And they stoned him for it. And he was rewarded a quicker connection with Jesus. It's not about our justice, our perceived justice. It's about us standing up for real justice. My final point, I believe, is our humility grows best in the fertile soil where pride died, where our pride died. Because that's what that other stuff is, pride. My own pride. It's cool, sometimes you see, uh, there's different stories noted in different, uh, the different Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all stories of Jesus. Gospel, the good news. Again, children's church kids know that. It's good news. Some stories are in different ones, but some stories are in all of them. Well, Jesus at the Last Supper talked to the disciples, and at that time he said that Isaiah, or again, another prophecy said, I don't know if it's Isaiah, so I better not misquote. But he said, it said that they would be scattered. And he said, so you're, you're all going to deny me. You're going to run away like little kids, <laughs> scared. And you're going to deny who I am. And Peter's like, no. Peter was always the gung-ho, I'm going to go fight dun, 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 in my own strength. And he was like, I, I'd fight for you. I'll even die for you. And he said that. So, and all four gospels recorded that. And Jesus told him. Nope. 
If you've, uh, if you've been around the Bible much, you've heard it. That He's like, by the time the rooster crows, because I'm going to be getting beat overnight and just harassed and all this, but by the time the rooster crows, you're going to have denied me three times. And he did. I've heard Bob preach about that a few times, and it was pretty neat how he... You know, I can't recreate that, but it's kind of cool. The, can you picture the feeling of Jesus? He actually tried to get close. He tried to nudge himself closer to the scene where he could see Jesus, but be far enough away, he's not considered one of them. And that's what he did. And Jesus actually met his eyes the one time he denied. And the feeling of failure of, I used to have pride, but it's gone. His pride died right there. The death of his self-confidence, his own pride. I, I asked the question to myself, how many of us in our untested pride have said we would die for someone? Ouch. How many, how many people in their untested pride say, oh, I'd die for you? That's easy to say. <laughs> would you die for me daily? Would you sacrifice your will? Would you sacrifice that, what you want to do for your family or your kid? Would you die that way? A lot of people have been tested, and it went the way it went with Peter and the other disciples. They ran. That's normal. But then, one of the coolest stories, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible, which is, I say that every week about a different story, but one of the, no, it's really one of the coolest things ever, is John 21, 7. So Jesus had died and resurrected. He came back and saw the disciples, and he said, you received the Holy Spirit. He blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he's had a reconnection with them. He's met with them another time. So over 40 days, it said, he met, and he's trying to teach things. He's trying to get them ready because they're going to be on their own because he's going to go back to heaven completely in a new body and all that. So in the middle of that time when Jesus wasn't with them, they still had to work over what was going on, right? Like Peter, he was, I mean, he didn't feel restored yet. He still felt like, I'm a failure. I mean, I told Jesus, no, I'll die for you, and then I denied you. And even though Jesus resurrected and he's like, well, I'm starting to get this, he, this isn't healed yet. This is like... He's face-to-face with his pride. It it died, and he's like, I'm a failure. I can't. He's probably thinking, I can't do nothing. I I mean, I don't think they're going to have a place for me now, really. That other stuff Jesus said before about me being a rock and all, or, you know, Jesus cheering me on, I probably can't do it. And and Peter's like, I'm going to go fishing. And the other guy's, well, can we go with you? And he's like, yeah. So they went out and caught nothing. So, and it's like the very first time Peter met Jesus, it was the coolest thing, is they had caught nothing, and Jesus was like, well, drop your net right there, and they're, they're fishermen. I mean, <laughs> some strangers out there, here, I'll tell you how to fish, just drop your net near shore right there, and that's, that sounds like a funny joke, but they, they caught a ton, and he didn't, so he worshiped Jesus that first time. Well, Jesus did it again. Jesus is on the shore about 100 yards away, and Jesus is like, hey, have you got any fish, guys? And they're like, no. 
And he's like, well, try that side. And they, you know, they, okay. <laughs> I mean, they did it. And bam, it was so many fish, it's trying to sink the boat. They can't pull it in. And as soon as that happened, John knows that's Jesus. They didn't recognize, but Peter didn't. But as soon as he's like, that's him. That's the Lord. Peter, without pride, just dove in the water and like, I'm swimming to shore. He just, right for him. Can you feel that? Can you feel that? Your pride, your pride in you is dead. And you're like, I don't care. It was like Forrest Gump. If you haven't seen that movie, you got to see that part where he dives in. Yes. And goes straight towards the shore. And then Jesus, to bring this point home, to hit the heart at the hardest, right there where it needs healed and restored, he is like, do you love me? And he asked him that three times. And the last time, he said, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? It said Peter was hurt. (laughs) Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And you can tell, you can see the the pride's gone. You can see by the word, the way he says it, (laughs) Lord, you know all things, Right? A month ago, he said, Jesus, like, this is what's going to happen. They're going to, someone's going to sell me out. They're going to arrest me. You guys are going to scatter. You're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no, I know you know all, I mean, he knows all things, but he's arguing with Jesus. No, I wouldn't dare. I'm so tough. I'd fight for you. And now he was faced with the reality of himself, his humanity, all of it. He was faced with it. And Jesus is like, do you love me? He's like, <laughs> do I? <laughs> He's like, I think I do, do I? You know all things. You know I love you, right? And Jesus like, yes. Jesus knew he loved him. So Jesus said, feed my sheep. And if you read the New Testament, you see the rest of the story where what Peter did. I mean, he... He started preaching and thousands of people coming to just he spurred on the new the start of the church. He did. He he led it. So we may not be standing up against communism right now or a concentration camp or the Pharisees trying to kill us, but we, I mean, we face this stuff. We face our own pride. We face standing up for injustice, and you never know. It may not be that long before you're arrested for standing up against injustice in our country, sadly. But wherever you find yourself, you know, how, how do you walk out this humility? Where's your, where's your identity Do you know your identity of loved by Jesus? So loved by God that he sacrificed everything for you? If you argue with your spouse because they don't understand you when you're the first one that didn't understand them, what do you do there? Can you be a sh- more self-assured, uh, like less insecure? And let's swallow that pride for a second and let's let God do something here. Start fixing this pride, chipping away at that. 
like Peter, he sometimes the surgery is pretty abrupt. It's like open heart surgery, and we're doing a quadruple bypass. And then sometimes it's little whatever. We just need a stent here. Sometimes it's a major surgery, but God always restores that and heals it. So let's pray.